You're about to enter the most electrifying NFL talk show you have ever experienced. From up-to-the-minute news and notes to... <sighs> Who am I kidding? It's a wrap. Let's try this again. It's the After Further Review Podcast with Connor Forrest. Want to get involved? Send us an email to mailbag at connorforrest.com. For your questions to be read on air. Degrees in good old Ashburn, Virginia, as we march towards Christmas time. Can you even imagine? I mean, I've, I've talked about my adoration for the state of Florida and just the fact that they just generally have happier, better lives down there with the palm trees and the beaches and the endless Jimmy Buffett. But Virginia is known to have these ridiculously hot, humid summers, especially where we are in the northern part. And these pretty cold winters, but it is very odd in December. That I'm walking my dog tonight. I'm walking Doug the Pug. And I come in from maybe a half mile walk and I look like I just walked off of the movie poster for the day after tomorrow. I mean, Lord have mercy. Mother Nature has very little care for me and my comfort, or really for most of us. I believe if you are in the contiguous United States of America, you are going through a little bit of a cold snap here. Um, But the further you crawl up north, um, especially north of even me in Virginia as you get up, even further north into Buffalo, head over to Chicago, you are, um, let's just say those, uh, the increase in gas bill for heating your house is is going to take effect for essentially every human being that has ever existed that is currently living in the United States of America. But we too shall move on because, my friends, remember, it is the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas is right within our reach. We are currently recording this, uh, and and when I say we, I mean me, myself, and I. Uh, Shawnee is off doing better things. Um, He hates me. So uh, I am running this, a solo show for you all tonight, no matter how good or bad we will get through this together. Uh, But we are Christmas Eve Eve as we record this on Friday, December 23rd. Uh, I know a lot of you are traveling. I know a lot of you are, are getting those last-minute Christmas gifts in, and maybe you're in the car, maybe you're in the airport, maybe you're in an airplane. But no matter where you are, we are here for you, and we so appreciate um, you taking us with you wherever you are as we head towards Christmas. So thank you so much for tuning in to After Further Review. We return. Uh, So much to get into. Because we always say the NFL is a gift that keeps on giving. Um, And this is a a wonderful time of year uh, to be giving. So we're going to jump in to everything NFL. Uh, as we speak, we are going to get our Jaguars-Jets game recapped, and we'll make our picks uh, for this coming weekend and chat about each of the individual games. Uh, we're not going to recap last week. Uh, we're going to make this a, a kind of a, a bite-sized podcast for you guys tonight, so we're not 
um, just making it a two or three hour show. We just don't want to do that. But with Sean gone, we are going to march ahead into everything coming up here in the waning weeks of the NFL season. So much to get into. Again, before we get into everything football-related, we are brought to you by Anchor FM. It's anchor.fm. You go ahead over there, and they will show you how easy it is to make a podcast. And remember, if you're ever using them in any capacity, shoot them an email or just let them know, hey, Connor from After for the Review sent you over. It helps us greatly. Uh, remember to keep smashing that subscriber button. Hit that five-star. Tell some friends that we are here to help you guys out with everything NFL-related. So I guess on we go. Before I go on, I am going to put up a poll for you all on Christmas Eve. And I would love for everybody's participation into this. Because every year, for some reason, this myths my wife tremendously. And I need to know where our listeners stand on this. And I'm going to pose you a question. When do you do your Christmas shopping? When do you do your Christmas shopping? Do you do it in October? Are you the kind of person that just foresees Christmas six months away and gets it in July? Are you a Black Friday shopper? Are you a mid-December shopper? Or are you like me? Do you like to get it at Christmas Eve? Do you like to go out and do your shopping super late? Now, my wife gets tremendously stressed out when I say, hey, haven't shopped for anybody. It's December 23rd, and I'm moonwalking out to Leesburg to go to the outlets and see what I can rummage up. I'm just so curious about this because I do think that this speaks to probably our differences as to how we, uh, how we process things. Like, are we chill? Maybe it speaks to our personalities. I don't know. I don't know. It myths my wife and I know it makes a lot of women in my life and certainly not in my life as I've heard from other people, it drives them nuts. So I'm ever so curious as to when you do your Christmas shopping. Very, very curious. Now, if you celebrate Hanukkah, I, I'm not quite sure exactly. I don't celebrate Hanukkah, but I, I'd be curious just to see if if you are a gift giver at Christmas time uh, or during Hanukkah. When do you go shopping? When do you go grab those things? When are you picking up stuff? Just curious. I'm going to put a poll out either this evening or tomorrow, but either way, I would love everyone's participation in this so I can get a gauge on this. Because to me, I'm a Christmas Eve shopper, but I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger in Jingle All the Way. Like, I'm not jumping on cars. I am not knocking over mailmen. I'm not chokeholding, you know, a store clerk and picking them up uh, for a Turbo Man doll. I'm I'm certainly not doing that. But I kind of like the hype of it. I kind of enjoy the hype of it. Be very, very interested to see what you guys see. I'll put a poll up there. I would love your guys' input on that. I can present it to the wife as a presentation, maybe a PowerPoint. I don't know. We'll see. I'd love to hear what you guys think. So make sure you are on Instagram. It's at after further review pod and click that story. Sean puts great polls. He has a bunch of polls up there today. So make sure you guys are checking that out. But um, I'd love to hear your input on that. So with that out of the way, onwards and upwards we go. Let us head to MetLife Stadium for a disgusting game. Let's just let's just put it that way. Jaguars 19, Jets 3, the free-falling Jets, who a couple weeks ago we felt like this could be an AFC powerhouse. This is a playoff team. Um, What is this going to look like? I mean, they have tools all over the place. It's a second-year Zach Wilson. And that entire, entire situation is falling apart at such a rapid pace. I I almost kind of have a hard time believing that if you told me four or five weeks ago, hey, that game against the Jaguars at home on Thursday night, 
might be the last time we see, and not only might be, but very well could or should be the last time we see Zach Wilson in a Jets uniform. I would be stunned. I'd be stunned. The former second overall pick, a guy so highly touted out of BYU, is just falling apart. Completely and utterly falling apart. And it seems as if the road between Zach Wilson and the Jets organization is coming to a split here. It feels that way. And, and we're going to get into the Jags, but a 19-3 to loss at home against a red-hot Jaguars team, you, you might say. But against a Jaguars team that is getting hot, but they're no, they're no world beater. I, I'd certainly not want to play them right now, but you know this is not the Chiefs or Bills coming in home, and they stomp all over you. I mean, the Jets managed 66 yards in the first half. 66 yards. I mean, in the first half. I mean, those are statistics of Washington getting their butts kicked in week three against the Eagles. I mean, that, that that's... I mean, Zach Wilson getting booed out of his own building. And then them bringing in a, a quarterback that I think we all were trying to Google desperately as to... Who who on earth is this guy, Strievler? Who is Strievler? I I don't even I can I can barely remember his first name. But you you bring in a guy, a gadget quarterback to just get through the game. You bring in Chris Strievler as a gadget to it's like oh my goodness to pull out the mop and clean up after Zach Wilson getting benched for the second time this season. It's funny people said this this was. This was the lowest part uh, or, or the rock bottom for Zach Wilson. And it's like, I hate to say this, a second overall pick QB who you drafted to be everything, your second year, second overall pick to take your franchise to the next level is benched for the second time. I mean, I, I, it's it's just, I don't know how this ends, and I'd, I'd love to get a Jets guy on to talk about it because – you know, from the outside in, we, we've seen this in Washington, and we've seen how damaging something like a second overall pick not working out, especially a quarterback, is for an organization. It is. What you give up and how high of a value of a pick that is, we watched it with Robert Griffin. We watched how that set Washington, um, the Redskins, back so much for what they traded up to get him, and that not panning out was just devastating. But on the other side of the ball, and I, I know we'll get into that in a little more detail uh, as, uh, as as kind of the weeks progress here um, and the playoff picture is set and as we head into the offseason. But just, a, I mean, a really, really um, a devastating loss for the Jets in the chase for the playoffs. And especially for a team that now this is a morale thing. I mean, it's very different if you, different if you are skidding and, and you feel like you're going through a, a cold patch of the season. You know, teams go through that. Um but to watch this organization, this fan base turn um, on on Zach Wilson for good reason, for the record, for good reason. A, a guy who has clearly seen no ability to take responsibility. That's really, really damaging stuff. And it will set back an organization. It does. Mark my words. That happens. It, really kind of a, a sad turn of events for the Jets, um, who's, I guess, their search for a quarterback seems to be going right back into the carousel of I don't know. Um, so we'll keep track on that as the season progresses and into the offseason. For the Jaguars, they, they did just enough, and I need to issue a formal apology. Because let's be clear, like you, you know, if you're in the business of giving opinions, if you're in the business 
of sharing your thoughts. I think the biggest thing that drives people crazy is when you turn on ESPN, you're watching First Take, you're watching Speak Now, whatever, I, I speak yourself or speak out loud or w- whatever rip off a Taylor Swift's album that Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless are doing. If you listen to those shows, you'll watch these guys say things that are wrong and ridiculous and inflammatory and nobody holds them accountable. And then they get on air and there's no apologies. There's just on to the next crazy thing. I can't follow that train. That's just, that's not what we do here. That's not what the After Further Review podcast is. I will just have to, look, this is going to be me doing the Martin Luther bit, pinning the grievances. I, I need to make it public right on the door of the church. I need to issue an apology to Trevor Lawrence. I said a few weeks back that this guy had not proven much. The start of this year was horrendous. I watched him week one. I actually met him week one. One of the nicest guys on the planet. A dude I have rooted for for so long. I mean, from his rookie uh, season in Clemson. Just a guy you, you just love to love. Not just on the field, but off the field. Class act. A guy who handles himself so well. And a dude who who really came into the NFL under unbelievably terrible circumstances with the Urban Meyer debacle. Um, it kind of just showed all colors of the Jacksonville Jaguars organization at that time, and he just did nothing but hold himself um, to a high standard and and really just rose above all of it. And I've always been cheering for Trevor Lawrence. I've I've never, ever, he's never been one of those guys who, you know, sometimes with the Johnny Manziels and the Baker Mayfields, you just kind of like, dude, I don't, I, I can't see myself cheering for you. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is the antithesis of that. I said that he had struggled and he hadn't proven anything, and uh, he just came up to me and said, dude, shut up, just Shut up, Ashburn boy. Look at what I just did to the Jets. That's essentially what he just said to me last night. Um, but all jokes aside, uh, Trevor Lawrence has has really, really stepped into his own. And the Jaguars, I will put right up there with the Lions right now uh, as a team I just don't want to see. I, if I'm in the playoffs and I'm lining up against the Jaguars, I don't want to see this. And quite frankly, the Jaguars are, are really posed. If they go ahead and win uh, this weekend against the Texans, uh, they're right in line uh, for hosting a playoff game if they can take care of the Titans, who they literally just mopped the floor with in Tennessee. You've got a Week 18 showdown at home against a division rival that could possibly be for the division. Uh, the Jaguars, uh, especially from what they looked, at least at the start of this year, you just knew with their talent they would have to put it together eventually. And to watch Evan Ingram return back to MetLife and have himself a day was so, so impressive. So impressive. Doug Peterson, great coach. Travis Etienne, talent. Christian Kirk, talent. Zay Jones, talent. I mean, all over that offensive line, they went out and got uh, Brandon Sheriff, uh, who's been a star for them this year as well. Um, and their defense. I mean, they you, you get Trayvon Walker, man. You got, uh, you got Josh Allen out there on the other side. They've got a lot of talent all over that team, and it looks like this could be the year that they're finally gluing it all together. And I love to see it. I think this is my favorite part of football when you pull the curtains all back, when you look around the league and you talk about the New Yorks, the L.A.s, the Chicago's, these big cities with huge fan bases that are just, they're historic cities. Oh, L.A., I'm going to have to push off into the Pacific. I, I don't think I can count them into this one. But it's only in the NFL, and it's only really in sports, where you find cities like Jacksonville, cities like Cincinnati and Buffalo, Kansas City, these these smaller towns, these these areas of the country where, you know, if you're not from there, you know, no one's saying, hey, let's move up to Buffalo. But they have such passionate fan bases. They've got such unbelievable passion. And each of these little cities around, like a Green Bay. If, if it weren't for the Packers, what's in Green Bay? Cheese? I don't know. I guess. 
but look at what life good football brings to these cities. And I love to see it. And I want this for Jacksonville so badly. I mean, this is a team that's been mocked for being in Jacksonville, a city that people think, oh, just rip them from Jacksonville and put them somewhere else. But I want this to work. I really do. And I think Trevor Lawrence is showing, hey, guys, I'm going to make this work. But all over the field, on the defensive side and on the offense, they're a balanced football team who are getting hot right now. I want nothing to do with playing with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, by the way, just hung 40 on the quote-unquote dominant Dallas defense. Hey, Dallas fans, you there? Where's your defense? Where's that defense you all talked to me about? I don't know. You just got 40 hung on you in Jacksonville. You put on your glasses and your uh, Hawaiian shirts walking in there like you were you were just going to stomp all over them. No, 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 no. Nope. That is not what the Jacksonville Jaguars said. So watch out for the man. If you're in the AFC and you're hanging on to a wild card spot, don't check the mirror. Because this, this, this Jacksonville Jaguars team is like that Audi that's just been trailing you bumper to bumper trying to get you to move over a lane. They're coming. They're coming hot. Jaguars 19, Jets 3 in the Meadowlands. Uh, both teams heading in remarkably opposite directions, um, given they are both 7 and 8. We have some Christmas Eve football for you dialed up tomorrow. We have Christmas Day football. Three games on Christmas Day and that Monday night game. So let's work our way through and let's make some picks, shall we? Tomorrow, 1 o'clock, Vikings-Giants. Giants and Vikes are going to be pretty interesting here because this is uh, a Vikings team that uh, a week ago had the greatest comeback in NFL history. Like, not just saying that they had a really good one or they tied their record. They had a comeback that you would not possibly believe against the Colts. And if you haven't heard of it right now, just hit Google. Just hit Google. Not too big of a deal. Um, But the Vikings and Giants, Vikings are at home for this game. And I think this is going to be an interesting one because these are teams that I think are both way, way more forgiving in their record than they just are. The Vikings are not an 11-3 team. Like, let's be clear. And I love the Vikings. I'll make excuses for Kirk Cousins until I pass away. I love him. Um, I love Justin Jefferson. I love Dalvin Cook when he's healthy. I love everything about this Vikings team. That is not on their defense. Their defense will not win them anything. I I don't think it's possible for you to think that the Vikings could possibly make a deep playoff run with this defense. I mean, they're atrocious in all levels. In the secondary, they're bad. They have no depth. That front seven isn't very good. But I think both of these teams, funny enough, kind of mirror themselves where they're outplaying their coverage. I think the Giants kind of do just enough, but... I don't think anyone should be feeling good about the Giants in any capacity, really. I think the Giants and Washington are pretty mirrored teams. They're offenses that are super limited and defenses that kind of keep you in games. That's kind of it. Uh, if this is a low-scoring affair, it could be fun. I think the Vikings are going to run away with this, to be honest with you. I think the Vikings have that game-changing up-top, downfield, and down the center of the field. Whatever you want to do, Justin Jefferson will beat you anywhere. And that's something that Washington has a very solid receiver group. And Terry McLaurin is a guy that is a game changer. I mean, he'll beat you from the line of scrimmage to the 15-yard line. There isn't a corner, and I will say this again, and I mean this. I will never retract this. There is not a cornerback in football that can shut down Terry McLaurin 
from the line of scrimmage to about the 15-yard line. There isn't. Take the best corner. Take the Jalen Ramseys. Take the uh, Stephon Gilmores. Take them. By the way, Terry beat Stephon Gilmore like a drum multiple times when he played the Colts. No one can guard him. But the over-the-top is where Washington, I think, are still trying to find and fully solidify their, their asset. I think Jahan Dotson can be that guy. And I think he's shown an ability to be that guy. And Terry can be that guy sometimes. But you have the De'Ami Browns and, and, and you know the Curtis Samuels who have that speed. When you're playing a receiver like Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, those are guys who can beat you all over the field. And I think this is the time where the Vikings are just going to have to attack the Giants secondary. And while the Giants secondary has, has been strong at times, I think that's, that is the, uh, the Achilles heel um, that the Giants are just going to have to figure out how to defend and the answer is you can't really defend it i think the vikings are a better team i just think their 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 team is more talented i think they've got way more talent on offense and i take Kirk cousins over daniel jones i'll take the vikings in this one um at home for the vikings the seahawks who are in a real genuine stumbling streak here head to kansas city and again that game against the carolina is just the 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 biggest dagger to the seahawks possible um, Seahawks going down one o'clock to Kansas City. I'll take the Chiefs in this one. I think Seahawks are, are I think Geno Smith is rapidly coming down to earth, and all of a sudden the Seahawks just can't really stay healthy. Tyler Lockett questionable. Kenneth uh, Walker has had a bunch of injuries over the last few weeks, and those are two um, huge players for Seattle. Um, and I believe they're both playing, but you know we we don't know what what their impact really looks like. I think with Geno Smith's kind of rapid descent back to earth, uh, I think the Seahawks team is just so limited, and I think the Chiefs are going to go ahead and uh, take this game at home. Falcons and Ravens. Uh, the Ravens are 9-5. and five. I think Washington would beat them right now. Now, I don't want to hear the Tyler Huntley. Uh, look, it's just a waiting game for Tyler Huntley. They, they have shown without Lamar Jackson, no. Uh, it almost looks like no desire to win. Um, I will take the Ravens here in this one anyway. Um, I think the Falcons going to Desmond Ritter for some like Desmond Ritter looked so much worse than Marcus Mariota. Now I get it, rookie. This guy's uh, first start in the NFL. He just didn't look like he knew what he was doing at all. I mean, honestly, I think this this uh, I know Sam Howell hasn't actually started a game, but I I really do think that this is going to end up being uh, one of the worst QB uh, drafts of all time. The Falcons are going to be in the market for a QB no matter what uh, this coming draft. And this coming offseason, uh, the Red Hot Lions are heading down to Charlotte. They will be playing the 5-9 and nine Panthers. You, you can't not pick the Lions here, right? I know the Panthers went up to Seattle and embarrassed Seattle in, in a really big spot where Seattle needed that game. And, and Carolina have, have kind of come to life a little bit in the last few weeks. But you have to imagine the Lions train just has to keep rolling, right? You have to imagine. It will be very interesting to see what effort and, and kind of what – the Panthers end up looking like here against the Lions, but I'm going to pick the Lions here, and um, I think the line is two and a half. Detroit is favored, um, so Vegas think Vegas definitely think this game is going to be closer um, than probably the public do. Um, that over under is set at 43 and a half. I might take the over, um, and I'll definitely take the Lions in this one. But what does Jared Goff look like down the line here? What does he look like when the lights get a little brighter? When the playoffs start becoming a, almost a reality for the Lions. Um, I believe if they win out, they're in. I think that's the math. I'd have to to double-check on that and get back to you all. But, I mean, the Lions kind of have their destiny in their hands. They win the next three, and they're a wild-card team, Um, no doubt. Bengals, Patriots. Bengals visiting New England. The Patriots have really began to kind of fall apart a little bit here against the the, – excuse me, uh, the the, the Raiders this past weekend. One of – the most ridiculous losses of all time. 
One of the dumbest losses of all time. One of the most humiliating and just shattering losses where, again, the Patriots are in the, the hunt for the playoffs here. Um, and against a Raiders team that you just <laughs> go to overtime. I mean, you just don't see that. Kind of backwards, J- Jacoby Myers throw, and, and Chandler Jones takes Mac Jones and, and, and essentially implants him into the ground as he walks off for a walk-off touchdown of regulation. Can you even imagine? Can you even imagine? I'm so sad Sean isn't here so I can just see his face. I was in FedEx Field at the press box, and I could see the Patriots had the ball, and I, I figured they were going to overtime. It was all over the TVs, so I'm um, just stapling together some papers and just doing some work, and then all of a sudden I hear the media, uh, a group of about 25 to 30 people, start screaming, just going crazy. And I turn around, and I'm watching all of a sudden Chandler Jones with a ball walking into the end zone with no time on the clock. And I, like all of you who probably, if you were on the run and you saw a push notification about it, I just had to see what was going on. <laughs> when you see Chandler Jones take Mac Jones and say, dude, you're literally a sixth grader, I'm putting you in the turf. It's just like, what even happened in this one? I mean, this is this is a Patriots team that I've always thought is not their record um, at 7-7. Seven and seven. I think they're worse than that. And they're a team I just don't want to see in the playoffs. I really don't think they're good at all. But my goodness, uh, to watch a loss like that in Vegas when you really needed it, especially coming up in a week you're about to lose to the Bengals. Spoiler, that's my pick. Um, you just can't be taking chances like that. But the Bengals visiting New England, 10-4 and four at 1 o'clock. I am going to take the Bengals against the Patriots. Saints to Cleveland. Uh, this is kind of an interesting one. Uh, both these teams are really bad. So I will go ahead. I believe Cleveland is favorited here uh, by three. That's that's a home game. I'll go ahead and stick with that. I, I think the, the Browns win this one. Um, and that be that. Bills. To Chicago, Buffalo an eight-point favorite in this one, uh, three and eleven versus eleven and three. I think it's pretty clear who's winning this one. I'll take the Bills uh, in Chicago on Christmas Eve. Texans and Titans. This is not a game to snub your nose at if you are the Titans. First off, this is a must-win if you're the Titans. You got to win this game, and they have looked lifeless. They have really, honestly, looked borderline bad in the last few weeks. And the opposite, the Texans have had some really hard-fought games this year. You go back to that Thursday night game against the Eagles. You go back to taking the Cowboys to the wire. I mean, the Texans took took the Chiefs to the wire in overtime this past week. They're a very hard-fighting team. So if you're the Texans, do not turn – or excuse me, if you're the Titans, don't turn your nose up at this one. Tennessee's only a three-point favorite, and that's basically the advantage you get at home uh, from the odds maker. So I'm actually going to take the Texans here. I think the Titans have looked so desperately one-dimensional. And to be honest with you, their one dimension hasn't even been uh, his best with Derrick Henry. A couple fumbles recently, just looking like he's he's losing a little bit of steam. Um, I'm going to take the Titans, or excuse me, the Texans in an upset. Can we, can we get two team names that are not so similar? We have Bills, Bears, Texans, Titans. Like, my God, how am I supposed to get this right? Commanders, 49ers. This one I am honestly too terrified to watch. 7-6-1. Commanders going out to San Francisco. To probably get their butts kicked. Now, San Francisco are favored by six and a half. Six and a half. So clearly there's some there's some energy towards this game being a little closer. If I were betting, man, I would I would completely take to over on that six and a half. Because the problem is, and and listen, Commanders fans, I, I am one of you. I I've loved this team. I, I I've loved football in Washington. At 7-6-1, I love that we're over 500, and I just want to stay there. This should be a butt-kicking. I think San Francisco is going to destroy us. I think this is like a 27-10 
or like a, a 30 to 13 kind of game. I, I honestly think this isn't going to be close. I think there's arguments to be made that Nick Bosa is the best player in football. This defense for San Francisco just turns the ball over like no one else. And this is going to be really the first tough defense that Washington, real tough defense that Washington's faced in a number of weeks. And Taylor Heineke has really regressed significantly. So I think this is going to be a butt kicking. If you would like some hope, if you would like a silver lining, if you're a Washington fan on your knees currently praying to God saying, give me something good, give me something good. I think the only chance Washington has in this game is that, one, you're facing Brock Purdy. You're facing a guy who has actually, on the opposite side, has a similar thing for Washington's offensive Taylor Heineke. He has not faced a tremendously good defense either. I know they played the Buccaneers, but the Buccaneers are totally all out of sorts right now. So this is going to be a challenge for him. Does he soil his pants and throw three picks? Does this defense for Washington kind of change the tempo of the offense? Maybe. Debo Samuel's gone. Brock Purdy's in. What does that look like? I don't know. I just know that my faith in this Washington offense is so low. I think Taylor Heineke has struggled. I think this this team has been a little bit out of whack. I think in recent weeks they've had chances to beat a, a Giants defense that I, I think they can easily beat, and they didn't. They tied and they lost. So however that works out, I think Scott Turner's play calling and, and, and his, he's going to scheme around this, but what is that going to mean? You're going to need three, four big plays out of this offense and out of Taylor Heineke for anything to matter. So we'll see. We will very, very much see. I'm going to take the 49ers. Like I said, I think a 30-13 to 13 game is probably what we're staring at here. I think it might be close initially, but but I just think this defense is way too much for Washington to overcome and definitely Taylor Heineke to overcome. Eagles-Cowboys. Eagles are without Jalen Hurts. Gardner Minshew will be starting this game. I am going to take Dallas in this game. I think Dallas are probably coming off of a really embarrassing loss, and, and, and I, I do think on national TV here um, they are going to want to show up and make a statement. I, You all know my opinion on Dallas. I don't think it matters what year it is. I don't think it matters uh, any part of it. They have never found an ability to put it together. This is reeks of another Cowboy season of great regular season play that never translates. Dak's turned the ball over way too much in recent weeks. The defense has looked way skittish. Um, but I will take Dallas in this one. I think Gardner Minshew has um, has a good uh, a little rhythm. I think he he brings a spark into the game. But I think it's, it's going to be a Dallas team that is just, I think, when you stack it up, has more talent. But this is a coin toss to me, quite frankly. I'll pick Dallas, but Dallas is, is favored by four. And that's obviously because of the Jalen Hurts effect. But, uh, but I'll take Dallas, and we'll see. We're going to have to review this game. That's a really fun game to watch because there's a lot of implications. These are both playoff teams. But the most important part is seeing what messages are sent. If the Eagles come out here and stomp on Dallas, it's like, dude, this is and, – and, and they very well could. They're very balanced, very talented, like loaded roster. They very well could. You, you don't know. But this is important for Dallas to come out and have a good, a good showing because if they want to be taken seriously as a 10-4 and 4 team, as, as, a, as a legit NFC title contender, a Super Bowl contender, you got to go out and, and with a backup quarterback regardless. You, you have to go out here and if not win it, really make it close. But it, really, with a backup quarterback, and you got to go win this. Micah Parsons has to have a good day. you got to get out there and score some points. Dak has to get back on track. You know, this could be a Dak 385 and four touchdowns game. It's going to be like, you know, get Dalton Schultz involved, get 
um, you know, C.D. Lamb going downfield, Tony Pollard in the swing game. Like, this this is primed for Dallas to go out there and get a win. And that's why I'm choosing them. Um, but we'll see. That's going to be a big game, big implications. Raiders-Steelers, two 6-8 teams who are really, I mean, it's funny how the Steelers are still kind of hanging around. They're, they're not very good, and, and nor really are the Raiders. Um, I will go ahead and take the Raiders on the road. Uh, I I think they're just better. I just think they're better. Um, they're very similar teams, but I would take the Raiders roster over the Steelers any day of the week. I think Devontae Adams has a big game in this one. I'll take the Raiders at home. Pittsburgh favored by two. That's really that home field advantage playing, but that's that 8-15 game. That is the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, which brings me to a real genuine rest in peace and uh, the, the sad news of the passing of Franco Harris. Um, just a few days before um, the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, an iconic, iconic play in football. One of one of the one of the most iconic NFL plays of all time, um, and uh, he will definitely be missed. A beloved, uh, beloved football figure um, in Pittsburgh and around the league, so well respected. So, um, a heartfelt condolences to his family and and all those who knew and loved him. He will certainly, certainly. Uh, be missed. Uh, we do have three Sunday games. Packers, Dolphins at 1 o'clock. I will take the Dolphins here at home. Packers get a break from the cold on Christmas Day and head down to Miami. So put on a t-shirt there. Packers fans, any of you who are going down there uh, for Christmas and certainly for Aaron Rodgers who can just put a t-shirt on and, and kind of look weird. Uh, I'll take the uh, Dolphins in this one at 8-6 and six to roll over the 6-8 and eight Packers. Uh, Rams and Broncos, this game I would totally be happy if it was just never televised at all. Um, I'll take the Broncos in this one. Um, I'll take the Broncos because I have to, and that's kind of just that. Um, Rams, Broncos in L.A. At, uh, that is at 4.30 on CBS. And then at 8.20 Sunday night football, Buccaneers and Cardinals. This is a good time for the Buccaneers to play the Cardinals because they've got to get a win. Uh, they have to have a win because um, that NFC South, man, that NFC South is such a is such a wacky, wacky division, and they're still. I mean, it doesn't matter how bad they look; they're still just kind of floating around. But um, you don't want the do not want the Panthers to start winning if you're a Buccaneers fan. Um, and they've started to look a little bit stronger in the past few weeks. So the Bucks got to get a win against the worst uh, team, and I will go ahead and take them um, in Arizona on Sunday Night Football. They are a seven and a half point favorite. The Buccaneers are to win, so I'll pick the Bucks. And then to round out the week, the 8-6 and six Chargers, 4-9-1 Colts uh, on Monday Night Football. We'll take the Chargers in this one. Uh, again, an AFC playoff team as of now. Just go ahead and be the worst team. Just go ahead and be the worst team. A team that just blew a 33-point uh, lead, go do it. And I will take the Chargers in this one. Well, 33 minutes and 30 seconds is where we stand on this one. I said it would be bite size. I don't know if this is bite-sized. It's not like um, it's not like a Lunchable. I would say this episode is like a McDouble and a McChicken, right? It's one of those things that you can get get through. It's not going to be your lunch. I mean, unless you're really small or have absolute self, uh, you know, an ability to have self-control, which I don't. I'd say it's a McDouble and a McChicken. What do you say? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But again, huge, huge thank you to everyone who have made... Um, really who's made this year another amazing year uh, for the podcast. We're going to jump on here before um, New Year's to give a kind of a New Year recap. But a huge, huge thank you to all of you, um, wherever you are, for taking us with you. Uh, we hope you uh, a tremendously safe and happy and very Merry Christmas to everyone listening uh, around the world. Uh, we thank you so much for, again, being a part of it. Football rolls on. Huge weekend. Again, final few weeks of the regular season. 
huge implications. So stay tuned. We'll be back next week with Sean to get into everything you need to know. Um, but uh, again, a big thank you to everybody. Uh, we love you all tremendously. Have a very Merry Christmas, and we will see you all, as always, on the other side. 